right. Good evening, everybody. The first song we're going to be singing is It's Just Like His Great Love. And uh, this is, I think, probably one of my favorites. So if you join me in singing, It's Just Like His Great Love. A friend I have called Jesus, whose love is strong and true, and never fails however tis tried, no matter what I do. I've sinned against this love of His, when I knelt to pray, confessing all my guilt to gotten one song out of the way, so your energy should be up. If it's not, we'll get it up there anyways. The wonder of it all.
You know, before I had kids, I couldn't read the words and the sheet music. I must be getting better at juggling things. Doesn't feel like it, but I must be. Um, but I'm thankful, uh, especially this past week, I've been doing devotions with my kids in the morning at school because Joy started her new job. And we have been talking about um, being perfect. And it's, I'm just so thankful that we have a God in heaven who is our Father that cares enough to take us in our imperfection and make it so that we can still have that relationship with him, that we can be perfect in him. And that just that level of love, I, st- I understand better now as a father, and I'm just so thankful for. So we'll go ahead and sing, Oh, How He Loves You and Me. Christ ministry is meeting on the uh, 9th. Is that this Sunday? Is the 9th this Sunday? I don't know what time. Okay. On the 9th, that's Sunday after the PM service. So, uh, Miss Jeanette, uh, you'll be meeting with her. So, there you go. Um, oh, wait. I was, I was expecting my phone to ring. I started giving prayer requests. <laughs> this morning, my phone rang in the middle of prayer requests. <clears throat> So uh, Dennis Hazel was calling out, it must be something, because he knows what I'm doing. I forgot. <laughs> but it's good to have you. Dennis, do you have a report? Tell us what's happening. Okay, so uh, we got keys to the farmhouse. Amen. And so excited about that. He's good with him bringing the soldiers there. And uh, so we already have, uh, I met with the Marine that's telling me about, uh, John's brother. John Mikowskis, who just joined our church recently, has a brother down there, and uh, so he's already committed to coming, so that's, praise the Lord, that's great. Uh, tomorrow, the uh, Newports, uh, Miss, remember Miss Janine's son uh, died a couple weeks ago, we told you about it, and uh, they've not had the funeral yet, waiting for family and things to come in. He was cremated, so the timing of it's not as, as uh, pertinent, but uh, so that's tomorrow, here, a visitation at noon, and the service at one. Dennis and pray for that. Skeet was here this morning. Uh, he's recovering from his uh, from his surgery, so keep praying for that. And Trump was back this morning. He had a cornea transplant on Monday, and it went very well. They were so pleased with that. Uh, Miss Catherine's still battling, or still recovering from her knee replacement, so uh, pray for that. Uh, let's see, Miss Carol uh, Rockland. I'm not saying that right. Uh, is uh, Friday, so pray for 
her. Kim Wynn is, you know, she's battling the same cancer that her mom was having. They're doing something different with uh, Kim, some new medicine that they put her on, and she's not responding well to it. She, it's just she's having reactions to it, so pray for Kim. Um, if you probably already saw, most of you saw on Facebook, so about Mel's dad. Uh, so he's been in the hospital. Mom's still with us, dad's still in the hospital, but you know, physical therapy wasn't showing up and I was like, we need him to be moving. He's 92, you sit for long, and it was already close to a week and you, you just lose muscle. And um, so Monday I went in and said, we really need physical therapy to get in here. And thank you, appreciate that. <laughs> I just got that. Uh, so uh, then, uh, so they finally physical therapy came in and said, uh, well, let's see if we can sit you on the side of the bed. And dad turned himself around, sat on the bed and stood up. They were like, oh, okay, well, let's see if you can walk to the chair. He walked to the chair, sat down. And uh, anyway, so now he's been getting up and down. And that's, that's huge. So he will be moved from there to a rehab because he's does, he doesn't have enough strength to, to be able to function at home. You know, he's gotta be able to get up out of bed, do what he needs to do and get back in up out of his chair, do what he needs to get back in before they'll let him go home. So anyway, so he's, uh, we're checking out rehab places and so just pray, you know, things, uh, the, the battle is, of course, with Mel's mom at the house and she's just not able to understand all that's going on and so it's just a constant, but uh, Lord knows. So pray for Melody to get some rest. We are going, Melody and I are going Monday through Friday of next week to see Josh and Mia, see their new house, meet their new pastor, not done any of those things. We've been planning on that, so the timing is perfect because Melody really needs to get out of the house for a while. So, um, and her brothers are stepping up to help out there. So that's great. All right, what do you have for us, Mark? She's in Portland with her family. She's praying for witnessing opportunities. Amy is in Portland. That's Portland, Indiana, by the way. Portland, uh, Oregon. It is Oregon. Okay, I thought it was Portland, Indiana, but she's not up north. She's in Portland with her family, so pray for that. Wow. Let's go all the way back to Bart. Uh, can you pray for me? I'm working on setting up an interview with another airline. <coughs> pray that that goes well, and pray that my memory isn't completely shot already. Okay. Bart, with an interview coming up. So Steve. I think that went around the prayer chain. Some of you may have gotten that. This is uh, uh, Norman Lila's grandson. Uh, he's a, a freshman at Anderson uh, University and um, fell a couple days ago, hit his head. He's uh, got a full ride scholarship for soccer right there, uh, but has since been having repeated blackouts. So they decided they need to take him to the hospital today, and on the way to the hospital, he had another blackout. So. Chetta family and the loss of their son, the college that they're dealing with that, and the Massey family, heart issues for dad, daughter with brain issues, son is having to have surgery for. He had a procedure done, now he's having some really odd things happen. Oh, procedure now. Yeah. 
Macy family, I'm sorry. Sunday, Austin, our intern, was here Sunday having knee surgery Friday. And then Dom uh, Cooper is having an MRI on his knee. They think it's his MCL, so big deal. Eli? Um, uh, just got a text from my mom. Uh, a family friend, her name is Carol Plassel, uh, just uh, uh, had uh, emergency surgery. Uh, they, we don't have a lot of details, but it's something with her stomach. Carol Vassal. Glassel. Glassel. Yes. And uh, some uh, emergency surgery that they're having now, so pray for that. city. You know, we, we used to have a safe city, but, and I'm going to say this publicly on purpose, when you put liberals in charge, you get what you ask for, and that's where we are, you know? So, don't know how to say it, but I can prove it. All you have to do is look at every major city. That's it. That's before I get myself in more trouble. Father, we love you. Thank you for your blessings. Ask that you would... Um, these many, many prayer requests that we've brought, bef brought before the congregation, that you've heard, that you would touch bodies, strengthen, heal them, be with doctors, give them wisdom, give wisdom to those who are uh, making decisions and have choices to make and things like that. We ask that you would be with the uh, silent request that uh, was out this morning and we'll watch over each of them. And we pray that you would <clears throat> be with our teenagers and our college students and our WANA kids as they're meeting throughout the buildings, that you would just uh, bless uh, them as well and your word as it goes forth. Help us to uh, grow in your grace tonight. Help us to uh, uh, gain understanding from your word and be able to uh, see your hand at work in our lives. Be with Doc as he presents your truth to us, and we'll thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, I'm going to have, we're going to have a little bit of fun this evening. Um, uh, don't you love it when somebody who's going to teach says something like that going in? Um, there's a little bit of a sense in which this, this, this will, you'll, you'll feel, for those of you that have been in, well, for those of you who were in high school and in college, you'll feel this a little bit of similarity because this is, this is kind of how I would have taught a class if I was teaching this particular subject. Um, about maybe a quarter of the way in or something, uh, we're going to do a switch because I, I'm going to show you a tool that, uh, that I designed for this because I was having a difficult time as a teacher pulling it all together and getting my head wrapped around uh, the, the way that the, the book of First John is constructed uh, by John. And, uh, and then uh, what that leads into is, and oh, and by the way, the rest of the work that needs to get done on that piece of paper is yours to do. So it's the homework piece in the middle of the middle of the assignment, if you will. So as we as we take a look at this, and we've been talking about the importance of the Book of John, First John one four. Um, John didn't just write to write; he wrote what he wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit um, for the, for the single purpose that our joy might be full, we might be overflowing with joy, uh, and and that's we really will see that I hope tonight in terms of what you know for how First John fits into the category of a tool for us to use. Um, if we really want a handbook on, on growing in intimacy um, with the God and, with God and, and, and the Lord and etc. So, so what we're going to do tonight is we're going to do a part of this, um, and then the rest of it's going to be on your shoulders to fill in the blanks because you don't learn if you don't do. Um, if 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 you just come sit, um, occupy you know pew space, chair spaces, 
and you don't do something with it and you don't you know, take it to the next step, you're probably going to forget it before you get out the door. And if you're not uh, setting up your homework assignment for tomorrow or the next day, it, you know, we all know what that means. So we're, what we're going to study is what he wrote that we may know that we should abide in fellowship. And those are four key words uh, in the book of 1 John and, and how he, he actually lays it out somewhat similar to what that statement says. But we'll, we'll, work, we'll look at it a little bit more. And so as, we, as, I, as I think about 1 John, and, um, one of the things that, that I learned a long time ago um, was that don't read a book unless you know who the author is. And, and, and knowing who the author is is extremely important because if you know who he was um, in, in an academic setting, I would be very concerned about, you know, what is his academic pedigree? Where did he go to school? Where, would, where did he grow up? You know, many things along that line because it would help me to understand um, the building of his worldview, et cetera, and then explains where he's at in the present in terms of what he's doing. But if you're reading something that's, that's more of a, a novel or something along that line, you still want to know, you know, something about the author. If you, if you read a, uh, a poem, you want to know something about it. So, so as, as I think about John, in, in, in this case, what we see in 1 John is it's a reflective, endearing, enduring set of words written by an aging man, a grandfather. And, and when, we, when we catch that concept, 1 John makes a lot more sense because John was the grandfather, if you will. He was in his 90s when he wrote this. He, was written, he, wrote, he wrote this to his little children, right? Um, that they sin not and they keep, keep themselves from idols. Can you hear a grandfather saying something like that to you? Or have you said that to someone that, that's in the grandchild category in your life? Yes, absolutely. It was written about 8095, um, soon after he'd written the Gospel of John, but before he wrote the book of the Revelation. And so I want to go back to where we started about five weeks ago, because as we look at things tonight, knowing whether or not this is a possibility is, is part of where we're at. Um, and, and I will continue to say this because I really believe this. The normal Christian life is an intimate relationship with God 24-7, 365. Um, if, 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 if our relationship with God is anything other than that, there are some, some pretty serious questions that need to get asked personally as, as well as corporately. So premise number two, an intimate relationship with God is impossible for an unregenerate person. A person who, who, who does not have the Holy Spirit living within them cannot do this because we are... We are dependent on this. And if you can't do it, you have to ask the question, am I unregenerate? Do I find that in my life, intimacy with God, what is that? It's, you might as well be speaking Swahili or something because it does not make any sense to me whatsoever at the practical level. And we'll, we'll look at a little bit of that um, later. So I said warning number one is the belief of Satan, demons, scribes, and Pharisees is the belief of many church members. Um, and I, I've, I've discussed this over the last 40 years with multiple people from multiple denominations and in multiple locations, and I've, and I've never found anybody that said that's, that's false. In fact, church history will tell us that this is exactly the, the pattern of church history, um, and it's, it's why we had the revivals, because church, the churches were filled with people who were church members. They, they owned a pew, but they didn't have the, 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 the work of God going on in their lives. Um, warning number two, uh, therefore an intimate relationship with God is impossible for Satan, demons, scribes, Pharisees, and many church members, right? The Holy Spirit does not live in Satan, demons, scribes, and Pharisees, right? Um, and, and that, so getting, getting that behind us, um, I want to remind us that there, there is a road, there is a process, there's some things that we need to be aware of, and, and I am very thankful for the fact that it's God who initiates it. He initiated in eternity past. He, he set in, in place a set of enduring consequences that are a result of what he he put in place in eternity past, and that he made it clear that there will be some definite consequences that when we get into that relationship, um, the consequences are we are a new person. I was talking with one of the guys um, at lunch this today, um, and, and just this whole idea that, that when, when, the, when rebirth takes place and the old nature is, is all of a sudden um, slapped by our new nature and said, move over, I'm the boss now, 
and things change. We change as individuals, etc. And then the, the issue of what inhi inhibits uh, intimacy with God. And I'm just going to stop. I'm going to use the words of John here to answer the question. Idols of the mind. Um, and that's where the problem starts, right? So uh, go ahead uh, and bring up the other, my, my tool, my toy, if you will. Um, when I started working through this, um, getting a hold of an understanding of, of uh, what was going on in the book of John, especially as I, as I tried to deal with the, the, the primary words that, now, this is, these aren't the only primary words in this book, but it's the, it's the ones that show up the most and seem to have uh, a story to tell in it. So uh, John begins with fellowship. And, you know, so I said, okay, so there's, there's, there's four of them right there in the very beginning. And that, that the way he structures that, that fellowship piece at the very beginning as an introduction was interesting. Then we had this word right. And, you know, we saw it over and over and over, and we saw it. I used their, their two Greek words here, gnosko and ido. They're both words that are translated, generally speaking, in the English as no. Uh, I know, I knoweth, etc. And, and you're going to begin to see the, the nature of this. And on the left-hand side, um, I've got the verses in which we see them so we can start to see how this goes. And then we have this, this final word of abide. And in, with this one, we have um, some, some differences in terms of, or some, not differences, I want to be careful, um, some other words that expand the meaning of, of, of what is actually uh, um, associated with this. So go ahead and uh, scroll down to the bottom of the page. So now we, as we, as we get a little bit further, get down into chapter, you begin to see, no, not quite yet. Uh, <laughs> this morning, they, they gave me the mouse to run this on the, on the podium here. Well, I haven't used a regular mouse in probably 20 years. I've used a rollerball. So I treated that, that mouse as a rollerball, and it was, it was not working well, so we had to put it back there, and I, so we didn't even try that tonight. So we see that you know, John uses um, the word right, and he continues to use it through toward the end, to the end of the book. There's one place where he says, I did not write, and that's an interesting verse in and of itself, um, but we see the, the, um, the importance of the word no continuing to show up, but then we have this space where he, he spends time dealing with the issue of abiding, and, or he uses, the, one, in one place it, it has a, the better understanding of continue or remain uh, in, in terms of uh, your, your location, because the, 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 the word um, abide has, the, one of the primary synonyms um, is, is um, dwell. Now, it's sort of like your address. I mean, I dwell at 5544 West, 700 North Fairland, Indiana. That's where I dwell, I live. And, and that's, what, that's the, the exact thought that, that John is trying to get across um, as we take a look at this. And so, so go ahead and scroll up onto the next page. So you begin to see, all of a sudden you got, wow, look at all of those places that the, book, the word no shows up. Now, here, here's why I had to do this. Because there's a, a, another column that you're not seeing to the right. It's, what was I to know? What did he write about? Uh, what about the fellowship, and what about this issue of the context? There's, there's, there's phrases within the, the, uh, the epistle that when you, when you put them um, next to this, it all begins to have meaning, because you can start to track the, the, the story line as, as, as John punctuates it with these, these words. So here you get, um, again, remain, dwell, 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 dwell. And, and so you start to get a sense of what, what John is trying to get across. And, and so go ahead and scroll the rest, the rest of the way down there. And so it's, it, he, he, he forgets about, he, he said, I, I hope that by now that you've gotten the impression that I wrote for reason. I wrote, I wrote, I wrote, I wrote. Um, it's sort of like, you know, uh, you know, when we were all kids and when we got older and we had kids and when we had grandkids, we said, I told you, I told you, I told you, I told you, I told you. So it's the verbal piece. But this is written, and see, this is the other piece. Why did God write what he wrote? Why did he just not have Christianity and, and, and Judaism as an oral tradition, culture, civilization? This, the, these things were written for reason, okay? So 
we see a transition in terms of uh, the, the, the word uh, for no um, toward the end of the book. And we'll, we'll work on that a little bit this evening because that's, that's really a central to this thing, to this whole discussion. But you, I hope that you're beginning to see that, okay, so if I start to look at these and then I watch the messages that are, that are going down, if you were filling in the blanks. See, the reason that I didn't put that up there was because you're going to have this available to you. I'll send it to you. Faith will send it to you. Or we'll print it if we have to so that you've got the fifth column so that you can, you can fill in the answers. I want you to be familiar enough with the book of 1 John that it, can, it becomes your handbook on creating biblical intimacy. And, you know, what he wrote, what he wants you to know. He wants you to know. I want you to know. I want you to know. It almost, you almost get, get, get a headache. I heard you already. You know, you almost want to say that. But you, but you understand that this was, this was said as a grandfather. You know, a, a grandfatherly-like person was, was, was communicating this. Um, and so we'll go back to the slides then. So as we, as we wrestle with this, and, and really, I am serious when I say, if you don't do something with this, then, then I would suggest to you that you're probably not committed to growing in intimacy with Christ. Um, or if you don't do something with this, it was, I, I really appreciate what Joe was having to say. Um, yes, um, those, those times with, when you have family devotions or you have devotions with your kids um, are, are incredibly important. And for dads, if, if you're not doing it, your kids are going to blow it in, in their Christian walk later because it's the, Ill, it's the, it's the example of dad that, that has oftentimes the most incredibly positive, significant, longstanding um, impact in the lives of kids. It's okay for mom to do it, but, but we as men, God's called us to do this. So anyway, so um, as I take a look at this, this introduction to the book, um, John makes a declaration. He said, I declare, he, and that's why I use the, the, the word of declaration here, because John declared, he said, knowledge of God, now that's not what it's, the verse says, that this is, this is kind of how I, I, I fleshed it out for my own self. Knowledge of God and of who God has revealed himself to be results in horizontal and vertical fellowship. This, is fellowship. this fellowship is a joyful fellowship. Now, the knowledge of God is, is, is critical to this. So I need to know who he is. I need to have that personal, intimate, day-to-day, minute-by-minute um, understanding and appreciation of who God is. And then he has gone through the process, not only in 1 John, but throughout the rest of the Bible to reveal to us who he is. And I, I would venture to say that I don't care how old you are, how young you are, you will never exhaust the Bible's recorded information about who God is, no matter how many years you live, because you are going to find more and more and more and more about him as you, as you see it, as it works together, etc., and, and, you know, he, he wants this fellowship to be a joyful fellowship. He's not, he's not, God's desire is not for this to be, you know, uh, an, an ogre relationship whatsoever. The second declaration is this, knowledge of God results in a pattern of walking in light with others who are also cleansed by the blood of Jesus. On this walk, light is opposed to darkness, truth is opposed to lying, sinning, and self-deception. Now, when we talk about this fellowship aspect of things, and when we think about this walk, it's a walk of fellowship, if you will. Um, we have fellowship one with another, and, and that's why I, I, I focus on this issue of this horizontal and the vertical. All right. Um, I, I mean, I think I don't, you don't spend very much much time around this church without hearing somebody say this is a very loving congregation this is a very loving place to worship this is a very and and the, the fellowship is sweet um pastor does try to not to, to slow down and walk out of church at a much slower pace and, and not be in a, in a in a rush to get to longhorn or wherever it is that we're going on 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 sunday or whatever the case may be but if you if you spend if you become a church mouse for a little while and you watch this congregation function, 
we're a pretty good example of what it really means to fellowship. And if you start to listen, you'll hear oftentimes the conversation relates to who we are in Christ, what's going on. Or when we're talking about, you know, when we're, when we're talking with each other, there's the, the conversation goes along the line, you know, how are things going with your relationship with the Lord? You know, what did you learn from the Lord? And, and how's God, how's God, how are things going with, you know, how's, how are you feeling? And what's God doing in your life? I mean, you, you hear that all of the time. And that's what it's supposed to be because that should be the central focus of, 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 of how we live our lives. And so, um, and so John declares this. He said, if you take a look at these two things and, and everything that's there, th there is the foundation for abiding intimacy. Right? It's, it's the knowledge of God, who he is revealed, and it's the fellowship aspect of things going both directions. And then it's this pattern of walking, you know, how we walk our lives. Um, you can walk in the shadows or you can walk in, or in the darkness or you can walk in the light. And, and, the, the, and, and everything is different in those three locations. And so as we think about this, okay, this is, this is how John introduces his book, all right, um, with this fellowship concept. Now, uh, I want to walk through what I describe as the basic outline of the book. Now, it's, it's, it, it's a there's a little bit of verbiage here, yes, but I want you to try to grasp a hold of, of how John built this book. So this came from, oh, it's not there anymore, uh, that, 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 student's tool that I created, okay, if you want to call it that. John builds the remainder of the epistle, that is from 1 John 1-7 through the end of the book, around 12 additional I write statements. So if you, if you go through your Bible, and this is what I did to begin with, and I had so many circles and so many underlines, I, I couldn't make it make sense. That's why I built that, um, that, that document for my own self, because I wanted to be able to see more about what was there. So 12 additional I write statements, and these 12 write statements are surrounded by 39 know, knoweth, or known statements. All right? That's the word know, knoweth, or known is, is actually in the text. There's one statement that's a behold statement and one is a see statement. And so, and this is the, the word know, and we're going to come back to that in a minute, but the reason that this, these two I'll call them the outliers are important here, is because um, these, these two words for no have a, a tremendous amount of depth and breadth associated. He says see, all right? So if you, if you say to someone, see that? Or, or did you see that? Or it's, it's, it's basically you, you stop and take a look. But there is one place in, in this epistle that John uses a very, very different word. Now, hold on to your seat, right? It's, he says, behold! I mean, it, the book, the scriptures screams that word at you when you read it. I mean, it, and when you, you go, you've got to be kidding me. I, I never had a book scream at me like that. But if you, if you understand, this is where the fascination of the Greek sometimes is, is amazing because it's exactly what it says. And, and depending on what, uh, what Bible you're reading, it, it may be in, in full capital letters. Um, and it's because of that. And so as, as he's talking about this no and no and no, he says, see, look, see. And then he has this behold. I'm like, wow. Um, so these statements are, are these, these no and see and behold statements are an intermixture, hurry. Right? I mean, and when I say that, it's, it's, it's a concoction. It's, 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 you take these, these major um, component parts and you just dump them in a, in, a, in a cauldron or in a pot or something, and you mix them up. And that's why I say this. It's an intermixture of the 24 Gnosko statements and the 17 Ido statements. And the result is what comes out of this when you actually start to, to, to look at it and, and start to look at all, the, all the, the, the verbiage that's associated with every one of those no, 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 no. It's, just, it's not just no, 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 no. It's, there's a sentence, there's a phrase, there's something that goes, what, was, what, do you, what does he want us to know? And so, when you, when you, you, if you will, you bake the cake, it says the result is a certain relationship with God. There's a, there's a definite certainty in terms of this relationship with God that he expects, that he wants, etc. And then John uses this word meno, abide, 23 times. And, and when you, you, you may not think that, that any of this is significant until you realize that 
1 John is a very small book. Five short chapters, and yet, we, yet you have this concentration of, of these words in this book in an incredibly remarkable manner. So there, there are 12 abides, where it basically said, abide, abide here, stay here. Uh, 12, two continues, seven dwells, which, is, which really speaks to you get there, you stay there, you belong there, etc., and then two remains, which is, is it's the idea of staying put there. Um, and so when you take a look at all of this, this seals the certainty uh, for, the, for the potential for, for, for intimacy. Because of the way he has written this, and we, when we start to take a look at it, all of a sudden I come, you come to the conclusion where, you know what, this is not an impossibility. In fact, this is, this is a real possibility. Because God has set the conditions for that to be the case that, that we can all enjoy, we can all, uh, we can all have a part in. Then John begins uh, he, to go to, to, the, to the other end of, um, of 1 John, uh, in, 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 at, in first, chapter 5, rather. Um, in the conclusion, he begins the conclusion in, in 1 John 5, 12, um, and he says, He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son uh, hath not life. And this is, this is one of those definitive, declarative statements Either you do or you don't. All right? this is, it is from verses like this that I come up with this impossible or possible um, categorization. But then you get into verse 13. It says, These things have I written unto you that believe in the name, on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And when he, when he begins this final have I written statement, we see him... Um, Here's where we have one of the scene, this, the words see, and then there are seven no statements. And, and, and the, the, the issue in terms of this, as he, as he pulls this all together, and he says, I want you to know, I want you to know, I want you to know, and he connects all this to, to the relationship to the Son and to the in eternal life, etc. He, he ends it in a very short but succinct verse. He says, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. And you just think about that statement. And I, I, had, I thought about it over and over again. I said, little children. You know, so you, you see him almost um, coming back to the, the grandfather, um, the grandfatherly aspect of things and said, keep yourselves from idols. Now, <clears throat> We've all said statements to kids and grandkids about things not to do, right? But when, we, when John does this here in this epistle, it's after he has made it incredibly clear that it's in, in, entirely possible to do this. And he says, keep yourselves from idols, and he doesn't explain it. He just stops right there. And then he says, Amen. And, and that's a remarkable statement because when we think about what is he saying, it causes us to, to say, on what basis was he making that statement? And what that, that almost forces you to do is to go back to the beginning and reread it. And, and then to reread it. Because if I want to keep myself from idols, I want to have that relationship that is going to enable me to do that. I'm going to have the strength, the joy, the, the, cap the capacity, etc., to do that. And, and so... As, as, we, as we look at this, um, understand that that's, I would argue that that's exactly what he intended to do. So, First um, John, what to know? Um, in, in the context of language, um, the, the beauty of the Greek language um, over and against the English, the, I would call English almost a pauper's language in comparison to some other languages. And Greek is one of those that is a very rich language. Um, and so as we take a look at these two, two, two words, uh, gnosko and, and it's to know and to, to, to see, or, or to know, I mean, and, and that's the problem with, with this one because you've got, uh, uh, there's the derivatives in the Greek um, that, that literally mean see and, it's, and it has to do with the optical aspect of things. Um, but gnosko and ido are, are close synonyms, but they're not identical. And the, the important thing here is that what we don't try to do is we don't try to uh, create um, in the military when we you know we're, we're talking about people 
um, having, you know, sil- you know um, what do they call it? Um, silos. We silo things. Okay, we, you know, we, we put only this can go in that and only this can go in that and, this, and, and they, they don't touch each other and they don't connect and they don't interrelate or whatever. Well, one of the ways that we <laughs> talked about this when I was in the Pentagon is we don't have, we don't have silos. We have cylinders of excellence. <laughs> and it was because we were so, you know, rigid that we couldn't see the interrelationships, et cetera. So as we take a look at this and we try to look at Greek words and particularly books on synonyms, et cetera, and, and we're, we're trying to understand them, understand that most of these words have intellectual overlap, all right? And when you put these two together and the way John has used them in tandem, there is greater depth in terms of understanding. What does this no mean? Right? Together they embody the simple and the complex, moving from, the, from simple sight to a deep grasping of a near co- complete understanding of a person, thing, and, and situation. So the idea of knowing and what, is it, what, what are we to know has, has a relationship to people, things, situations, circumstances. And it's not just a superficial thing. It is a deep understanding and we've taken the time to grasp and grasp a hold of and to, to, to um, tear it apart and, and to have an, a, you know, a deep understanding, etc. It includes experimental, which is you know, thinking in a, in, it's a philosophical sense, intuitive, and in, there's a near absolute body of knowledge that's been acquired, um, yes, through the senses. God gave us the senses for, for acquiring knowledge and information and understanding. Um, we see what God's doing in other people. We hear what God is doing in other people. We see what's going on in the world and, and, and so forth, and, and we, we see consequences, etc. to the point where there's, there's an intelligent ordering of the mind. Now, this isn't, again, to go back to this rigid you know, compartments, etc., but there, there, you begin to put all this together, and we see, in the, we see the, the, the beautiful... Um, um, ordering of the things that are associated with this intimacy aspect. Of, and it, in, it assumes that there's rigorous thinking, okay? And rigorous thinking is not just kind of a, a, a flippant thing whatsoever. And so when we take a look um, at the collective context of the 41 usages of this, these words that we translate no, it produces or yields a panoramic view of God and the, the God-man relationship. And, and as, we, as we look at this, it ought to, it ought to um, in our mind's eye, it, it ought to be a, a tapestry of such amazing size. We just see the magnitude of the way God works out this, this God-to-man, man-to-God relationship. And it, 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 it baffles us in a positive way, right? So... Um, so as we, I'm going to take this, we're going to go through about 10 of these, so I will give you a head start on the homework, all right? Step one from John 2, 3. We do know that we know him, all right? What is, what is one of the things that a teacher does that I, I would venture to say most of us would say, I hate more than anything else in terms of their teaching methodology? John illustrates it in this partial sentence. What, 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 what's the, what does John do in this sentence? He repeats himself. Okay, how many times, if I, I heard it the first time, I don't need to hear it again. Um, kids and grandkids say that all the time, all right? And so do we. And so here, John says, we do know and again, that little two-letter word, I, we do know that we know him, all right? And, and, and he said, if we keep his commandments. So he puts together a, an, an addition to the we, we know, we know, we know, but here's the full, first example. We know him if we can keep his commandments. And he gives us an alternative in this case, or one is a liar without the truth, all right? So we know we know him if we keep his, his commandments, and we know that we don't know him if we don't have the truth, etc. So step number two in, two, in chapter two and verse five, we know we are in him if we keep his word. And the outcome here, and, and, and 
the reason that I'm going through this is because I want you to understand that John does not have a single pattern that he uses all of the time. So the outcome is, is the love of God is perfected in us. If we know we are in him, if we keep his word, and to the intent that the love of God is perfected in us. So there ought to be the sense, oh, how do I know that I'm in him? Well, I can see, I can feel, other people observe, other people are benefiting from the fact that God's love is, is being perfected, matured in me, and that's changing me, it, it changes my focus, it changes my interactions with, with everybody else around me, it makes me um, an easier person to get along with, uh, you know, and start filling in the blanks, okay? So in the third one, in John 2.20, now, we know all things, and, and again, this is one of those cases where you go, stop and think, and make sure that you got, you got a handle on it, because we have an unction, we know, we, we know all things because we have an unction, or a, a working or a ministry of the Holy Spirit, uh, in, in us, and that's uh, the, the idea of Holy One is usually or oftentimes um, uh, a, a connection, connects to the Holy Spirit. And so, but there's, there's a, a passage in Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 and 4, we have all things that's necessary for life and godliness. Okay? We don't have all things, we have everything that's necessary for the particular purposes for which God needs us to be you know, um, well, you know, well versed, etc. Because the alternative is stumbling in, in darkness, and he talks about this in, in 1 John 2, 8 to, 8 to 11, uh, in the context of another no uh, word. In, in 3, 2, we know that when, when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Now, this, tra- this changes, the, changes gears very significantly. But how important is, is it to know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him? Now, there's a tremendous amount of confidence building in that to know when he's going to appear, and he shall appear, and we shall be what? Like him. Now that, is it, there's a, a tremendous amount of encouragement in that. Uh, verse uh, 314, we know that we have been passed from death, we, have, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. Now, Flip this around. If we don't love one another, what, what is the, the, the possible circumstance in which that will happen? We have not passed from death unto life. Right? It speaks to our relation. We love the brethren because what has happened in us. We, the new nature, when we pass from death unto life, while we're still living on, the plan, on planet Earth, is amazing. And, and we see it, because we can see, yes, I do. So now, now, think about this, okay? Can I, can I love all of the brethren all the time? Well, maybe and maybe not. Should it be? Yeah. But is it easier to do so? Yes, absolutely. Why? Because I know that he loves me, and because he loves me, and I look at, how, how can he love me? If he can love me, then I can love anybody else, etc. Okay, so there's a lot of application to this uh, in, in the, the sections around each of these um, no statements. We know that no murderer, that is one who hates his brother, hath eternal life living in him. So somebody who just does not love one another, does not love other people, um, you, you, you need to say, hey bud, is eternal life living within you, abiding with you? Yes or no? Because the natural thing should be, to go back to verse 14, is that we love the brethren, right? These are things that we know. In verse 4, 4, 4 4.13, uh, whereby we know that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us his spirit. You see a prescription here for, for all of this. Um, we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us his spirit. That, that indwelling aspect of things is directly connected to um, uh, something that God has done. And he says, I want you to know this. I want you to understand this. I want this to be something that you can, you can you know, stand on and have a great foundation under your feet. 1 John 5, 2, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments, right? Uh, and these are all easy things to do. Um, in verse 9, uh, the ninth one rather, in 5, 13, we know that we have eternal life, um, that we may believe on the name of, of the Son of God. And we know that there's a connection between this, this, this knowledge and the Son of God and, and who he is and, and what, that, what does that really mean? Uh, we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask. Uh, uh, we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us understanding. Wow! 
have you ever asked the question, why do, I, why do I understand these things now that I never understood before? Because he has given us understanding. And we go, praise the Lord, all right? He did not leave me as a dumb rock. He, you know, he's, he's basically um, filled me with that. As, 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 and then in verse 20, we, know, we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his son Jesus, this is, this is the true God in eternal life. Now, that's a, that is a hard sentence, and it, and it will take you some time to walk through that one to fully understand it. Um, and I don't have the time in three minutes to, to, to give you that understanding. But you do. You've got the time <clears throat> to be able to sort that one out. So this is where we are. This is where we've been. Um, and we're at a point where the whole idea of, 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 of making this happen, the biblical intimacy, divine con. Uh, contentment, you know, knowledge of God, belief in God, is all a possibility, and it's all part of this equation. And then we we've, we've looked at this before, and and I you know I will say it again. Um, you take time to talk with God and trust in God, you'll be transformed by God, and that's what this is all about. We know all of this this information, we know all of these principles in uh, in in First John for one purpose, so that I can be transformed by God. That's that's the food that he needs to have running around in our brains so that he can transform us. Um, and so here are some summary questions. Are you spending enough time with the Lord that he is rubbing off on you and in your life? Or is the world, the love of the world still winning? Right? There is an alternative, and you have a choice. And if, if, if the world is rubbing off more on you than, than the Lord is rubbing off on you, there's some, you're losing, right? at least in this regard. Um, do you know more about the world's promises and principles or, the, or God's promises and principles? Is, is there a change in terms of the, the, that which is going on in your mind and is, is driving your life, living, and etc.? Are you abiding, dwelling, continuing, remaining in what has been written? I mean, can you, can you, can you do a reflection in your own life and say, yeah, I'm, I'm abiding, I'm dwelling, and this is what I'm abiding in, this is what I'm continuing, this is what I'm remaining in, and it's all connected to what is written. Because I know more about what it was written today than I did yesterday. Um, and so then we, we'll, we'll, we'll finish up with this one, I think. Is your primary fellowship relationship with the Father and the Son? And are your secondary fellowship relationships with those who fellowship with the Father and the Son? You know, because they, they, the phrase, you know, birds of a feather flock together. Well, people who have fellowship with the Father and the Son are probably going to be flocking together with other people that are, that are fellowshipping with Father and Son. Why? Because the world hates those who do so. And, and let them do what they need to do. I'm just going to be content with fellowshipping with those. Wow. Do we go out into the world and do witnessing and, and evangelism? Yes. We want to be an influence in the world because we don't want many, as many liberals in our cities as we have. <laughs> and that's the way we get there. So 1 John is the handbook, all right? And so my question for you is this. Will you continue to study what he wrote, John, that you may know, that you may abide in fellowship, which is an intimate relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Right? You get to carry this on. Right? I can't do that for you. And, and if, if we have a life where we, we are studying what he wrote, and that's Genesis to Revelation in its full scope, that you may, may know more, um, that you can abide, you know, that's you're, you're, you're settled in where you dwell and have this fellowship and you, you know about this intimate, you, you sense this intimate relationship. Um, the, the question becomes, is, is that what you are willing to do? All I can do is present, you know, put the hors d'oeuvres on the table because I didn't put the meat and potato in the, in the, in the other main course pieces that, that you've got to, to cook and, uh, and create for yourself. So, you know, I'm just asking. I said, so are you willing, are you willing to do that? And so this is the end of this for, for, for today. So um, let me just close in prayer, and then uh, I'll stick around, and we can talk more about it if you want to, or you can go to Longhorn or wherever you're, whatever's on your on you. <laughs> Father, thanks for this evening. Thank you for the fact that John wrote this, this marvelous little epistle. Uh, that is so full of so much that, that helps us to just build and grow and mature and develop and be able to, to for those of us guys, to be the granddad, to be grandpa, and, and to, to be able to, to live out 
and then to just you know walk alongside our the kids and grandkids and our the other people that we're discipling. Um, but but Father, in order to be able to do that, it means that we've had to do some of the homework ourselves. Uh, and and Lord, we've we've built an intimate relationship with you, and I would just pray for everyone here that that they would say, how intimate is my relationship with the Lord, and and how solid is that, and and. Am I building that on a daily basis? And will other people do? Other people see it, sense it, understand it, um, and, and they feel it. I mean, and, and the fellowship that we have is fellowship in Christ, not fellowship in something else that, that has absolutely no eternal value. And Lord, we're thankful for tonight. I thank you for each of these folks that are here. Uh, thank you for your word, and we just rejoice in your amazing grace, goodness, and love, and what you want us to become uh, during the rest of the days of our lives. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen.